So I'm going to use David and Goliath as a route to seeing whether we get some clues about how it's possible to live a bit like Jesus in Wistable, not Whitney. <laughs> um, David and Goliath, a wonderful, wonderful story. If it hasn't been made in Hollywood so far, it certainly deserves to be. Um, what we know is that he was a big fella. Um, and so we're going to look at that story in different sections. Lisa's going to read some, and Kathy's going to read some of the, the others for us. Um, and the words will come up, I think, as well, for you to follow. So it's 1 Samuel 17, verses 4 to 11, and then verse 16. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. He had greaves of bronze on his legs, and a javelin of, of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and his shield-bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, Today I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. So your first question in groups that you will be working in, so make them nice and viable in terms of size, your first question is, what effect did Goliath have on the situation? Off you go in your convenient groups. Fabian, I think you've got the microphone. Thank you. Anybody want to make a few comments about what effect Goliath had on the situation? Shout. Uh, we were saying that Goliath was effectively proactive, given the situation to God, because by him being so big and David being so small, it was only the natural God that David Wow, that's very interesting. That's not what I was expecting. Thank you. <laughs> Did you hear that? An act of God, because he'd given God to the situation. It is very interesting. This situation is one that we struggle with today, because this is Israeli-Palestine. The same struggle, the same distress. Over there, I noticed they all put their hands up when they're miles away from anywhere. Over there, then over there, then, yep. The Israelites allowed Goliath to dictate terms. Mm -hmm. So he, he set the boundaries, he set the the playing field, so to speak. Right, okay, so he called the shots. Yeah. Any other comments? He increased anxiety. Yeah, he, he, people, yes, Ooh, what are we gonna do? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he meant that it meant that he focused. He made them focus on um, Goliath as as the obstacle, um, instead of looking to their strengths that they could win the battle with their army. Goliath suddenly became yeah. the obstacle they didn't think that they could overcome. Yeah. yeah. So he's 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 claimed the narrative. In order to do anything, you've got to defeat me. Yeah. He disabled them. In fact, I was going to use the word paralysis. They're paralyzed. They don't know what to do. Yeah, this is intimidating them. Yeah. Any others? Just one more shot before we go on. A bully. Oh, right. Yes, a bully with a nine foot six bully. Yeah. Yeah. He, he thought that he was increasing his chance of winning, that he, it was a foregone conclusion. Yeah. If, if it was just one against one, yeah. that he, I, would, he would win. Yeah, and it is interesting. I always feel that there is a sort of an act of graciousness, really, one man's life in, instead of everybody killing each other. We've heard echoes of that, yes. A question. Why did the Israelites accept the terms? Well, that's right. That's why I use the word paralysis. And it means that you're ready to... No, we're not having any more... Oh, you're just waving, not drowning. I love it. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I thought you wanted the microphone. <laughs> um, can we go on to the next part of the story? David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, took the provisions, and went as Jesse had commanded him. He came to the encampment as the army was going forth to the battle line, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage, ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. All the Israelites, when they saw the man, fled from him and were very much afraid. So this is your next question. What are the Goliaths, the giants, the bullies, which you face in your community or neighborhood? The things that are dictating, intimidating, paralyzing, too big for you to handle, making you avert your eyes. What are they? So that's your next task. And we will collect some of those in. There may be issues of deprivation, issues of crime, um, things which are as yet not very often named. I saw Linda's face grimace, because it is, it's a tough adult question. What are the Goliaths which you face in Whitstable and environs? Off you go. Wally's going to write up as, as we go through, um, I'm wanting the discipline from yourselves that if somebody else has said it, can you kind of give a vigorous nod so as we get a sense of the weight with which that issue is around for you? Who's going to kick us off? Thank you. We had um, the fact that Whitstable is quite a small town and a lot of people know a lot about you um, and it's the, the fear and the judgment that you get as a Christian yeah. um, and the secular view that people have of Christians yeah. is, is quite tough to deal with sometimes. Right. We're, we're human, right. we still have those human things. 
Thank you. That's very powerful. And did I see nods? I was so taken by it. Is that something that others recognize? That it's tough to be a Christian because you're kind of, there's no hiding place. Yeah. Yes, over here. He's wrecking the joint in the process. We, we're talking about the fact that Whitsable is the bubble. Into the microphone. The Whitsable is a bubble. And there is a bit of a, an idea that if you come to live in Whitstable, then everything's rosy. And we're saying our Goliath is the hidden issues. We don't actually know a lot of the time what they are. Right. And it, it does link into that, everyone knowing you. So, But do you know who uses the food bank? We know the food bank's, for right. example, really well used. But you can't say, oh, I know somebody who needs it right. because I don't think people come forward and say they've got a problem right. and it goes back to that small town business of being in your bubble and yeah. being judged and it's all bound up Part of it. right That's, thank you thank you one of the problems we have like most communities is hidden systemic deprivation the deprivation that is hidden but is self-perpetuating whether it's in an estate like Lucerne, or whether it's in individual pockets, it's hugely difficult, first of all, to identify it, and then to know what to do about it. Right. Um, when government policy is actually working against you in yeah. a lot of cases. Can I try and recode that? But you don't have to accept this. Um, it's just that the word deprivation kind of almost covers too much. Um, but what's clear, when we are when we've got money worries, and it's gone through generations, is that we're likely to find that we experience being overwhelmed more frequently. It happens with age as well. Once we get older, then the likelihood of being overwhelmed. I'm not an expert, but do money worries then link into health issues? Yes family issues, yeah. the upbringing of children, education. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it seems to me to be a web that once you're in it, it's hugely difficult to get Should out. Should we use the word web and add another okay. word to it? Yeah, a yeah. web of... That's why I was using deprivation yeah. rather than poverty. So, okay, web of deprivation. We're, we're on that. And it's, it's not... It's amorphous. It's hard to get a grip on, but you can sense it. And, and it's got a name in a, a locale, Lucerne, which is certainly ironic. I bet if we had a trip to not your Lucerne, but another Lucerne, we wouldn't be immediately struck by deprivation. Um, other giants. Hello. Yep. Can I just add to that last point, which I think sometimes churches, uh, for churches, money can be a Goliath and they can be paralyzed with anxiety about money. money. Yeah. Okay. Or lack of it. Normally lack of it. Uh, yeah, my thoughts were about um, culture and how uh, more and more um, secular culture or the popular culture is now sort of going further away from what the church it's, culture yeah, is yeah. and how actually in the past that was not the case yeah. and how um, certainly people my age and younger now don't really get what church is about, they don't understand it, um, and trying to keep the church relevant yeah. without watering down what we do and believe. 
So it's a strange land, church, very marginal to most people's lives. Yep. I think we have the opposite as well, that's contentment and plenty, um, which is much more difficult to tap into. Right. Yes, so we're kind of... What is there more to life other than our comfort? And that's that playpen that I was describing you. Just perhaps one more after this, and then we'll move on with the story. Um, yeah, we were talking about affordable housing, um, mm. particularly in light of the fact that in our area we have a lot of people who buy homes in the area that aren't living there. So that there's, we get people come down from London, they, they come down for the weekend. So the prices rise, there's lack of availability. Right. So us, our children and so on, it's very hard to be able to envisage being able yeah. to, to, to stay. To How is the, the neighborhood going to become a community? And I think that was yeah. relevant in our group because how do you minister when people have hurt you? So people coming down from London and then they're not part of the community, but they have this history of rising the price of houses As, or yeah. Yeah. destroying the house you knew of someone because now they're building this very expensive house and no one really lives there. So there is so this, the potential the for resentment and, and resentment. the them and us. Yeah. The them and us. Yeah, thank you. Any more? Um, really just related to all of those, homelessness. We do have homeless people in Whitstable. Yeah, yeah. And we have the down from Londoners with their big houses, but we also have people who have either choose to or don't have anywhere to live yeah. and are on our streets. Homelessness, thank you. Um, You've not mentioned addictions. Yeah, addictions, please. Any one-word ones, Donald? Well, I was going to say reaction in Whitstable to having refugees living in the Refugees, yeah. Yeah. They're totally, as we found out, with, you know, totally unfounded all these... Right. Just a quick background, we had a centre that's been used for six months for unaccompanied minors, and when the town heard that there would be a centre next to a school, all the weird ideas of so, <laughs> came so out. So people kind of create a myth and a fantasy um, and become unwelcoming and unreal about refugees. Because there's such a lot of anybody here but there is, it's always been in Whitstable for years and years and years, a lot of intermarriage between mm. families. Mm. And if you upset one family, you probably You've upset, upset half the, you upset half 50 the town. Yeah. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That there's a kind of a very close um, interconnectedness. Right. Thank you. Bullying. Bullying at school. Okay. We're going to carry on now with the story. Um, we've left it with David having brought supplies to his brother, brothers. And he's heard this Goliath and seen how Goliath has made all the Israelites flee. David said to Saul, Let no one's heart fail him, fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are just a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And whenever a lion or, or a bear came 
and took a lamb from the flock. I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw, strike it down and kill it. Your servant has killed both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, since he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, Go and make the Lord be with you, and may the Lord be with you. Saul clothed David with his armour. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armour, and then he tried in vain to walk, for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I am not used to them. So David removed them. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. Right. What did David bring to the situation? That's your next question. What did David bring to the situation? What did David bring to the situation? Some of those who haven't talked yet. There we go. Be courageous. Because that's one of the things he did bring. Courage. David had proven confidence and um, spoke about how when he looked after the sheep and if they attacked, um, they were being attacked, that he would wrestle against the bears and he'd already done that. And um, we also got, he had, a, he had a tremendous faith in God who had delivered him before. Yeah. So the, although he was young, it somehow allowed those experiences to be used to build yeah. his confidence. confidence. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Are we, are we writing that down or? No, not this no. time. We talked about as well how he um, uh, dissed preconceived ideas because um, he was young. He didn't need to wear armor. He didn't. Yeah. We talked about that in context that there are older people who don't think young people can have faith and you know, right. in that sort of yeah. 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 That's an interesting one, isn't it? That this was the youngster, not the one who'd served time in the army. And in fact, Saul says it, doesn't he? What do you know? This fella, he's well-trained, and you're a little... Well, yeah. I just love the thought of him in that armour. <laughs> so we talked about the fact that um, the army itself has been trained to fight in a particular way. They, they fight as a body and they've been taught, this is a sword and this is how you use it. This is a spear, this is how you use it. David is used to working on his own. Mm -hmm. He uses whatever tools he's got to hand yeah. and he faces whatever yeah. situation and failure is yeah. not an option because it's the, yeah. the, the lion or him. Um, so he comes in with the confidence in himself as an individual and the, um, the lack of preconceived walls and blinkers as to what he can, he can do. do. Yeah. And those, are, yes, one more. That's important to note, because you know where this, I'm going to be taking you next, um, will be requiring you to hear these kinds of comments about 
confidence in your own distinctive style and not thinking with blinkers. Yep. So, yeah, oh, is it there? And then over here, and then we'll move on. Well, we talked about the physical side, so we looked at it like less was more. You know, little David against Goliath, he saw through the physical side and he proved himself with the bear and the lion. So he was a man for the job. Yeah, you know? he's telling himself a yeah. different story to the yeah. ones less that the armies well. are right. doing. Yeah. He saw through it. Yeah, thank you. Over there, please, Fabian. <coughs> to M. M. Oh, it's Yvonne. You've been set up there, Yvonne. I have yeah. been set yeah. up. I saw that, I saw that. We were just talking about um, how he just reacted with his own ability and his faith in God. Nobody had time to say to him, well, you, you, know, you might not be able to, or you're not big enough, or you're not strong yeah. enough. Yeah. And that's one of the things that often holds us back. Somebody says something, the devil works through it, and we don't go ahead and do that instant reaction thing. Yeah. So if, if he'd have said, no, I'm just going to pick up a pebble or two and, yeah, from the wadi... Everybody would have said no. Don't you work. dare. Because, of course, don't forget what's hanging on this is that if he's defeated, you know, so it's not just for us, it's just a little tale. For them in that context, this was if this fella, are we going to risk having this little lad um, take on this Goliath? Because the deal is that if he goes and he loses, um, we've lost. Donald. <laughs> five stones not because he thought he was going to miss the first time but because Goliath actually has four brothers oh. I don't know how many people know that but if you look in the Old Testament uh, you find out that Goliath actually had four brothers so you know there was that uh, although there was a confidence it, he was also prepared for any further action Right, thank you, thank you. One more, I can see one more alo right along there. I just wanted to add that to me, this, this lack of armour that he wore links really clearly to Ephesians 6 and that put on the armour of God and that stepping out in faith with that shield and that That's, sword. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it is a remarkable story. There's so much that we can read from it. Um, and so let's take us to the next story. Is that Tim? My turn. <laughs> oh, have I not done this? Oh, I'm going to miss that and go on with the story. David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. When the Philistine drew nearer to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, striking down the Philistine and killing him. There was no sword in David's hand. Thank you. Um, I've rushed you over there being David-like signs 
already in existence in Whitstable. There are good things in Whitstable already engaging with the Goliaths. Um, God is there already. And if we had more time, I would have kind of made you go through and name those David-like signs that are present in your place. But because time is always tight, that's maybe why we need eternity, but because time is always tight, I want you to focus on this one, and we will collect these in. What might be the light, well-directed actions, the five pebbles, that you could imagine as your response to the local Goliaths you identified earlier? I won't take up your time by reading down that list, but remember what they were. So that's your next task. Um, light, well-directed actions in relation to some of the Goliaths that you have identified in your place. I'd shut you up. Yeah, <laughs> <Damn> me. <laughs> I maybe should have given you this example at the outset. Um, it's only just come to me now, so I'll give it to you. I was working with... Um, a group of older Scottish women talking about their housing scheme that was very much affected by drugs. And of course, the drugs affected their own families, their daughters, their grandchildren. And they kept saying, methadone's nay answer. Methadone's nay answer. So as with coaching, you would just say, well, what would be the answer? Well, they've got to find it from within themselves. How would you do that? Singing helps. And then another woman picks up that riff and says, oh, we could do some singing in the church hall. And then another says, ah, they'd nay come. And they think for a little bit longer and they said, we could go to their wee flats and we could sing with them there. And then another person joins in and says, yes, and they'll be cold. We'll take some soup with us. Aye, and you can make your oat cakes. And we'll have a wee picnic and a sing in their wee flats. That's a light, well-directed action. And a huge story of hope and saying, do you know what? We're not frit of the Goliath of drugs. Um, partly because it was right within their own families. So go on then, got anything to match our Scottish sisters? <laughs> and we will collect these in. Yes, there's one here straight away. Thank you. We sort of, we came up with so many that we ended up with almost like a catchphrase type thing. Um, and you can have these, we haven't got a definitive order to have these in but you have to do it, you have to live it, you have to be it, you have to see it. Right, okay. Um, great, but where'd you start with those? Let's stay with the seeing it, because in Scotland, they were seeing it, and it was owned as being their problem as much as it, drugs wasn't just out there then. It was, it was here in our household, right? Thank you. 
our group, we, we really focused on all the um, skills that um, uh, David had. And we thought, well, how do we draw out those skills within our church? And do we recognise the skills that different people have in our church? And we, um, and we thought, no, we probably don't know all the skills that we have. And um, so we thought we needed to understand our own congregation better and what, what different people had to offer. But linked with that was about the welcoming, and we had several examples where people had come and not felt welcomed. Okay, we? let's hold on and stay with your assets. <laughs> Wonderful assets, though they are. Yes. Oh, blimey, where are we going? Um, it's, yes. it's called ABCD, Asset-Based Community Development. And one of the things that you have, because you are a long, well-rooted neighborhood and community, is that you don't just know the assets that you might have in the church, but you know the assets that are wider. So if I take you to Streatham, wouldn't you love that? One of the things we have in Streatham is the Performing Rights Society for Music, our only office block. It happens that my mate Moira, who's lived in Streatham all her life, knows one of the people who works there. And she knows that they've got a fabulous canteen. And she dared to ask them whether we could bring some people who usually live, eat alone to use their canteen. Oh, of course she could. And then they give us a Christmas party then they say, oh, we do quizzes. Would you like to bring some quizzes? And we know not to beat them, because you don't get invited back if you win. <laughs> um, and this time, the older people who've been doing that said, you know what? We're always being given things. We want to give back. So they're now doing a Christmas party for the food bank. Because, you know, with toys and gifts, because the food bank usually has to focus just on food. And you know who's just given us a £400 cheque? The Performing Rights Society for Music. They used that venture as their Christmas treat. So by looking at the assets and by you having the confidence to call out, it's called the strength of a weak tie, the confidence to ask your hairdresser to use part of his or her skills you start to make Whitstable a better place, that calling out from others. Asset-based community development. Thank you. A better welcome, you were going on to say. Anybody else need a better welcome? No? Any? Okay. Tell you what, you can't get any bigger because there isn't a room big enough for you all. Um, when we were talking, um, I don't know this, I don't know how people are going to take this comment from me, but in our group, we were talking, and we were finding it quite hard to come up with ideas. We were a bit stumped. It was easy to list the Goliath things, mm. um, but harder to think of the David things. And I think that if you look at the character of David, he's kind of, for me personally, he's kind of, he thought outside the box. He, had, he brought energy, and he was the kind of simple leader that led the way for his, for his people. So... 
And for us, um, we're in a period, as a church, we're in a period of transition at the moment because for a long time, we had our David and we had our leader who just quietly and simply led the way and showed the example, which was um, our vicar Steve, who's now moved on. And so I guess that's why we were kind of thinking, we were a bit stumped because we had someone to lead the way or to lead the discussions or to show the actions. But I guess maybe to move on from that, maybe we just have to you know, the last, the legacy that our vicar who's now gone um, has left is maybe we just need to look at, he was teaching us all that time and giving us tools so that we could be, we were the mini Davids, but now it's maybe time that we kind of step up a bit and become more of, you know, the slightly more grown up Davids. Right. Grown up Davids. Yeah. Well said. Thank you. I'm glad I'm not doing this. I'm already knocking things over. Um, we were talking over here a bit about the um, withdrawal of certain things from statutory services and public feeling about um, things that they're perceiving are deteriorating. Um, we were also talking about whether, um, rather than indulging in moaning about that, we should take some of those things as our really easy, light-touch opportunities. Um, and to step into the space where statutory services are leaving a gap and meeting people where they're now short of something rather than deciding what we think people's needs are or which populations yeah. need us and going out to, to seek yeah. to find them. So just becoming a, a body of stop gappers, I suppose. Yeah. But people who can actually see where the gap is, sense where the gap is and contribute to helping people cross that gap, yeah. If I can tell, so yep. uh, we were sharing um, something, um, it's two things. One is the, the power of small beginnings and not trying to continue it for the sake of continuing. So um, there were two events at Lucerne which were quite small, but I do think the, 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 the difference it makes is huge, much more bigger than the events itself. So one was we did um, um, a door-to-door -door offered a little um, ornament in clay that we had done, took us one evening uh, with little hearts or shape or with word hope. And, and we just said to people, we think about you, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Those ornaments, when I visit people, I can still see them hanging and yes. they remember. Yes. Yes. And the other one we did, um, and that's taking risk and not being afraid to get it wrong, yeah. uh, because you might get it right. So we did two small um, outreach on Lucerne with the children, two afternoons. Um, I asked some advice to someone who did puppet church in Canterbury, and he said, whatever you do, don't do any songs, action songs, they don't work. So I thought, I'm not sure I'm going to do an action song. And so we had one action song, which is God can do anything, anything at all with her. Um, and when the event was finished, months after, children would still sing the songs. Yeah. So it yeah. did work. It's lovely. One of um, a similar story on an estate, but it would work anywhere in Whitstable. When it snows, do you get snow? <laughs> but quite rarely. So you have to be a warrior in relation to this. Because when it snows, everybody keeps going to the window and moving the blinds and the curtains to see how deep it's getting. 
And there's a kind of funny mixture of worry and excitement, even though you're 93, it's still there. Um, have a barbecue. Don't just presume that the barbecue is for winter. The barbecue can be for the snow because the kids want to be out there, then the kids can knock on the doors and say, do you want onions with your, you know, with your sausage? Um, and you just build a line of memorability. Because a community becomes healthier and deeper when you start to hear people say, do you remember when? So you create a memory. And you know your touchstone for the Holy Spirit is simply when you find yourselves telling a story, as Fabian did then, you keep using the expression, and then, and then, and then. It's nothing more complicated than that momentum which is expressed by, and then. I want to conclude with a story that hopefully enables you to not feel too inadequate about not having the specifics, like those little pebbles. Thank you so much, Wally, that's super. And I think we, can you take that home with you? Yes, thank you. Um, Sister Richard, this is a Derby story here, Keith, for those of us who know, yes. Um, and you'll know precisely where I'm talking about. Sister Richard was, is a Sister of Mercy, and she was at St. Mary's Convent on the side of the Inner Ring Road. You know St. Mary's? And she was on the dreaded door duty because there was a rota for the sisters. In the evening, they would each take it in turn that if anybody called, they would have to go and answer the door. Doorbell rings and Sister Richard's heart sinks because who should it be um, but Fred Grocott? Now, Fred Grocott, you might know it, a Derby fella, deeply alcoholic. Um, and when <laughs> to put my foot in it, <laughs> deeply alcoholic, and when he was with drink, was very, very aggressive. So Sister Richard goes downstairs, and she knows that he's going to ask for money, because interestingly, the only this is another one. Do you know this cosy beds? The only place in Derby which was likely to take. Fred was Cozy Beds, which was a common lodging house. Um, because the Salvation Army, the Church Army, the Spike, that was Rain's Way, um, they all had banned Fred because of his aggression. As soon as you tried to separate him from his bottle, all hell would break loose. So Fred says to Sister Richard, have you got any money? So as I can go to Cozy Beds. And Sister Richard knows that she has to say, no, Fred, you know we don't give money, um, but I can give you a chit so as you can take yourself off to the various hostels. I'm banned. And all Sister Richard can do is shut the door. And she goes upstairs and she feels not just to heal, but more than that. You know, this, is, this just is not good enough. Um, indignation, by the way, can be a very powerful emotion. Um, that's the bit that triggers that, could I, should I? 
Sister Richard goes to the window and she sees Fred. Um, you'll know the Katoni aster bushes that line the, the inner ring road. And that's where he was going to stay that winter's night. So Sister Richard's prayer was for Fred. In the morning when she woke, her first prayer was for Fred. And she found that that prayer was not a comforting prayer. It was actually a prayer burden. It weighed her down, this prayer for Fred. And over time, it became a prayer for other homeless people. Now, I got to know that story nine years later because Sister Richard had phoned me up as somebody who might know a little bit about homeless people in Derby because their spiritual director had said, you know what, if you've been praying with passion about homelessness for these nine years, maybe God is calling you into ministry. Um, and that was the beginning of quite an extensive range of provision in Derby. Oh, yeah, I was going, yes, I'll get myself into hot water now. Um, an extensive range of provision for homeless people in Derby, um, mainly daycare. But there was also another bit that I... What happened was that John Major, before he was um, Prime Minister, he was Secretary of State for Social Services. And he came to us in Derby. Now, Derby, dare I say, is really the end of the road, isn't it? I'll look at Keith. <laughs> <laughs> it is almost, yes. And so he wants to close Rainsway. And Rainsway, that's the resettlement unit, wanted to be closed because there were redundancies on offer. And there was so much money um, that was going to be available that we couldn't just spend it in Derby. We asked whether we could ask our neighbours in Nottingham to have part of this largesse, both revenue and capital. Now, I'd often wondered why it was that John Major had chosen us in Derby to have this experiment. Come on in, come on in. Come on in, I'm only <laughs> vamping so as we... <laughs> Actually, while they're coming in, don't look at them. I've got to give you the punchline because the children are coming in. The punchline. I often wondered why John Major had um, chosen Derby to come and give us all this money for homeless people. Well, it was actually, as Edwina Curry wrote her biography, that she had had an affair with John Major and we were the cover for all his visits. <laughs> Now, what I'm going to tell you is that if we don't know what our light little pebble is, what we do need to do is to find our prayer burden. Our equivalent of Fred... Oh, I didn't even tell you that. Because what then happened... Come on in, kids. What then happened was that Nottingham had a wet... And you might do this. A wet hostel for people who didn't have to be separated from their drink. And I thought, I'll go and see this. I've never seen a wet hostel. And then the manager says to this chap, would you, would you show this lady your room? 
And as we're going up the stairs and I'm following him, he's talking like a Derby man. And I says, are you from Derby? And he says, yes. I says, you're not Fred, are you? And sure enough, it was Fred Grocott with this beautiful room and he showed me his wardrobe with his worsted jackets, um, but not separated from his drink. Find your prayer burden. Yeah. Off you go, thank you. Oh, Can we have, um, will you have, thank you very much.